are here today with Michelle Fernandez-Daniel, Managing Senior Vice President, Head of Compliance and Regional Compliance Officer at BCI, which is Banco de Credito e Inversiones. So welcome, Michelle, and thank you for being with us. Thank you, David, for allowing me to join, uh, your, join you in your podcast. So, Michelle, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, from a professional standpoint, I've been in banking for the past little over 16 years. Uh, prior to that, I was um, corporate America, not in financial services at all. And I was there for about six years, six or seven years, and lived most of my life in South Florida and Miami, but originally from New Jersey. So that's a little bit about, you know, my personal uh, life kind of embedded with my professional life. Okay. Just out of curiosity, because you said in the, the corporate world, what area or what sector were you in? Well, um, I was first in telemarketing for a few years um, and in sales and reached the management positions. Then I joined another organization. And interesting enough, it was in the training division. So we, we uh, were responsible for training throughout the world and deploy different tools in order to get them trained quicker. So how did you get into financial services and of all things, compliance? Well, that's a interesting uh, question and, and, and a, good, a good one to start with. Well, when, as I mentioned, I was in telemarketing and at the time, a lot of the telemarketing jobs were going overseas. So I definitely saw that the, the opportunity for growth in that area was, was not probably the right path for me. And so I started exploring, well, what kind of industries and uh, companies would I like to work for? And that was early on in my career. And that's when I decided, well, you know what? Banking is very people-oriented and it requires contact. So it's, it's very difficult to outsource, outsource that. Um, so there is some element of, of being permanent. And so I've felt that it was probably a good fit for me. And when I started exploring opportunities in the banking industry, um, I did notice that it was very hard to get into a management level uh, position without much banking experience or financial services background experience. So my, my second um, option was to get into an organization or a company that actually had a financial services division. And that's exactly what I did. So I started with American Express um, in their training uh, division. And shortly after joining, year and a half later, I was able to transfer over. At the time, they had a private banking in Brickell. So I transferred over and that's how I started in compliance. Interesting. Um, yes, I remember American Express and, and the bank, private bank on Brickell very, very well. Um, very well-structured unit with very strong leadership. Uh, you know, this year 
we've launched a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative. So how was that for you? You know, moving into financial services from the telemarketing and sales area, when you came into banking, how was that for a young woman entering the financial services industry? Well, I have to say it was quite different. Um, it, it was somewhat of a, required a, a bit of a long adjustment period and kind of understanding the culture and understanding the dynamics within the, the industry. Um, it was very male dominated industry and um, a lot of formality, which you don't really have so much in, in, in corporate America or at least the organizations that I worked for. So it definitely was a bit challenging, and but what made it easier, I think, were the mentors that I had um, and the ongoing training that the organizations, the organization I worked for provided in order to ensure that there was, you know, diversity, inclusion um, within, built in within the culture of the company. And just out of curiosity, were those mentors male or female? So both, interesting enough both. No, that is interesting because you're right. I remember very well the culture, particularly on the private banking side and particularly dealing with Latin America was very male dominated. Uh, I think we can say that that has definitely changed. But how important is this idea of diversity, equity and inclusion to you, considering where you've come from? So I think it's important for, for everyone and, and to, to, to sit back and think that what's really what's at the core of, of you know, that topic. And I think it's, it's respect. And as long as we respect one another and respect our differences, I think we can create that diverse, equitable and inclusive community. So you are this year's chair of FIBA. I am. When did you start getting involved with FIBA? How did that happen? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. It's when I first started at American Express and I first heard of FIBA when I went to my first AML conference in the ballroom of the Intercontinental which I think we only occupied about a quarter of it. Um, it was a very small group. And, you know, FIBA has been part of my professional development and um, part of my network, you know, since the beginning. So FIBA has always been part of, of who I am professionally and has contributed to that growth. And so ever since I started in my banking career, very young. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I've, I've been part of a FIBA in one capacity or another. And so every chair comes in with an idea of what direction they would like to go in, uh, a platform, initiatives that they would like to accomplish. What is your platform for this year? Well, I think it's appropriate that the platform is continuity. You know, we, we went through a very difficult 2020. I think uh, all of us did, the world did. 
there's been a lot of change. We had to shift how we worked, how we, you know, what we considered our, our home slash work environment for some of us. Um, so definitely continuity. How do we keep FIBA uh, going and making sure that our members derive the benefits and what they need from FIBA in order to continue to grow professionally, professionally and continue on the path that they need in order to do their job successfully. So that that has been the platform um, that I've been that I've been on the journey this this year along with the EC yourself and the FIBA staff and the board. Well, as as you mentioned, uh, you know I, I remember when I was chair of FIBA many many years ago. Uh, in my acceptance speech, uh, I mentioned that there's an ancient Chinese curse that says, "May you live in interesting times." I think you're actually living that uh, right now. I mean, I came in with the economic crisis in 2007, 2008, and you're coming in with the challenging times of COVID. Um, but you also have a day job. So how have you been able to make that balance of working as chair of FIBA, trying to carry FIBA through these times, managing remotely working in, and, and a compliance you know, and risk staff, and of course your family all at the same time. So it has been challenging, but I think it's, it's been a very rewarding one. In times like this, you realize how important it is to have a really good support system. And I've been blessed to have a great team at the bank that does an excellent job and they've, they've been able to keep it going. Um, and as well as a great support team at FIBA with you know, your, your staff, David and the EC and the board of directors, they've been extremely supportive. And of course, uh, some of the past chairs have also been part of, of, of that support. So if it wasn't for the support system, I think it would not be possible to do what you know, we've been able to accomplish this year. Um, of course, with a lot of dedication and time that has been has been put into all the different initiatives and effort to to bring out new content, you, uh, be able to to provide um, a network, a virtual network to met the members and, and bring us together when needed. Uh, you have a few actually certifications. Uh, compliance, including FIBA's AMLCA designation, which we're very appreciative of. Um, but how important has that education been to you? And what is your recommendation to others that are trying to follow that path? Well, education is definitely key in, in progressing in your career. And of course, where you acquire that education and knowledge is equally important. So you want to be able to go to a reputable organization, whether it's a university, in this case, FIBA, in order to get to get that. And in this case, FIBA has partnered with a reputable uh, university, FIU, to be able to offer that certification. And not to mention that we uh, have the benefit 
of being supported by a lot of professionals in the industry, seasoned professionals who are well-regarded and really know their stuff to add value to, to that course. And so, yes, it's extremely important that as a, a professional, especially, you know, trying to continue to develop your career and grow is to continue to, to gain knowledge and grow uh, and grow your knowledge base in order to do your job more effectively and efficiently. So why do you think it's important for someone to be a member of FEMA? Well, I can tell you why I think it's important as, as far as the benefits that I've taken away from FIBA. Um, one is the network. You have access to a vast network of professionals, not only in banking, but in related industries that you can always reach out to and have access to through the different committees. So I guess the second benefit is the committees um, or other professionals in the industry of what's, what's going on and, and how some problems are being tackled and kind of uh, learn from one another. Not to mention also the vast amount of opportunity to gain information, whether it be through different courses, webinars, uh, conferences, and so I think that has have been one of the many reasons that I think it's important to be a, a member of FIBA and why I continue to be a member of FIBA. So looking at uh, you know, this, this idea of working remotely, which has been going on for quite some time, uh, how have you managed that in, in the area of compliance? Because we know there have always been concerns about resource issues, but now those resources are no longer across the hall from you or on a different floor. They're all working from some other outsourced area, most likely their home. How have you ever been able to manage that challenge? This has definitely been uh, a learning experience for many of us. Uh, although we did work remotely before, it was never 100% of the time. And so it has definitely um, presented certain uh, opportunities for, for growth in terms of learning how to communicate and interact in a different way. Um, where, you know, before you would kind of you know, going to pass by someone's office, knock on the door, have a quick chat and kind of go on with your day and stop at someone else's desk and, you know, to answer some questions that they, you know, they may have. And, and you can carry on, um, you know, with, with whatever you were doing back at, at your office and working from home, you only have really the ability to communicate through either your computer, your phone, and I don't think you can do both, right, at the same time um, and be effective. So it was trying to find what is the best way to continue to be productive, but engage the team. And we so we don't lose that sense of culture and the team spirit that we had when we were in the office. So we explored different uh, ways of working and, and meeting virtually 
that I believe has made us stronger as a team and worked better maybe than, than others. And so what have we done? We've done many things to even uh, playing a modified board games uh, online. Uh, we've uh, had coffee breaks together, you know, virtually. Um, so we've, we've tried to keep the team going. And luckily, from a work standpoint, I think we've been a lot more efficient. Uh, again, we don't, you know, I, we don't work with paper much. So everything is computer based. So we can essentially do our, our work anywhere. I think the biggest uh, challenge was keeping that team spirit and that culture going during, during the, the, uh, this uh, work from home situation. So going forward, as we, I want to say, re revert to uh, our normal, I don't think normal as a term really, really fits anything anymore. But do you foresee a, a hybrid type of setup or you prefer everybody coming back into the office? What's important, part of what's, what is driving the decision to whether we go back to the way things used to be, and I, and I say the way things used to be, because I don't think we can ever go back to what they were. Uh, we've been exposed to over a year of working from home, and although it does have its drawbacks, for many, it has a lot of positives. Um, people don't have to worry about commuting, although they're spending more time on screen, uh, but they also have the benefit and flexibility that you know, when it's time to log off, they're steps away from their family in the next room or steps away from, you know, going outdoors and doing whatever hobbies or, you know, sports that they play, you know, without having to drive or go anywhere. Uh, so I think, I think that has a benefit in itself um, and that really it's, it's hard to quantify. So what I see is as long as we can continue to be effective, and efficient and service our clients internal and external and find ways to continue to build um, a good work and uh, culture and, and, and continue to um, have a good connection with, with the team members. I don't see um, really the need to go back to the way things used to be. Um, for us, or my experience has been that we've been very successful uh, we, I do have some staff that is going into the office a few days a week. Um, so we do have some remote, some 100% remote and some that are actually in the office. And it's now it's, it's moving into once things uh, get more settled down with, with, a, with a pandemic and people feel more comfortable getting together. It's about creating the opportunity to come together as a team and whether it's through, you know, um, on-site, you know, work sessions, whether it's lunches or, you know, um, happy hours to kind of get together and, and have that bond, I think uh, is something that I foresee in the future. But definitely um, a hybrid model, I think would be, you know, very effective uh, and, and very much appreciated by, by my staff. Great. So to end this, 
conversation. Appreciate your time. So what would you say to somebody who's not a member of FIBA at this point? Join, you're missing out. <laughs> no, definitely uh, consider, strongly consider joining FIBA. It's a great organization. It's a great value. Um, and they won't be disappointed. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Michelle, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Again, Michelle Fernandez-Daniel, Managing Senior Vice President, Head of Compliance and Regional Compliance Officer at PCI, Banco de Crédito e Inversión. Thank you, Michelle.